Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by ScriptRunner. ScriptRunner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell scripts and standardize and automate IT tasks via graphical user interface for help desk or end users. Check that out on scriptrunner.com. I'm Tobias, and I'm back again with Yussi. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I'm about to start my design for the new home network. So the, the, the plan is to keep all IoT stuff in a separate network. The kids need access to those and the kids have, you know, PlayStations and Xboxes and their iPads and everything else. So now I'm sort of thinking, still designing on the PowerPoint phase, how many VLANs, virtual LANs do I need? How many Wi-Fi networks do I need? Do I need a guest one? Do I need uh, different settings for those? Also, I need a super secure wired connection for the main work devices. But what if I need to stream music to my Sonos while I'm working? Do I need a separate device which is connected to a different network? Or do I punch holes in the, in the VLANs and the routing rules and everything else? So it's, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot of work in trying to design something that would stand time, be easy enough to work with, and still be frictionless for the rest of the family. And I'm designing it now, and perhaps six weeks from now, when it's completed, I will revisit this topic and simply say, yeah, we have one Wi-Fi and one LAN, and that's it. You can think a lot about those things, of course. My update is fairly similar, but in a different different angle. The last, last episode, I told you that I'm pulling the construction and uh, pulling a cable out with the internet to my home office, and, and this is now done, so I made that. And made that happen. And the construction work to get the internet cable to the home office was not super tricky, not super hard. But there were a couple of challenges along the way because I have to get under some concrete. I have to get under the lawn. I have to get over a terrace. So there was a, a couple of things I had to consider. How can I draw this or, or pull this cable in a nice way where it will never be visible and will be weather protected at all times, uh, sealed and covered, but at the same time reach the home office. So I made that work. And now I'm going from six to 35 megabit, which is the range I had in the past to 400, 500 megabit. So it's a decent upgrade. On the worst day, it was about six megabit. And on the worst day now, it's about 400 megabit. So it's a 66 time increase which I think is, uh, is pretty good. So now I'm, I'm looking to extend the Wi-Fi in my very small garden. So we have a, a pretty small place, pretty small garden. The main reason I want to kind of extend the Wi-Fi, because the Wi-Fi can reach outdoors. I'm using the Unify access points. Uh, I think I have two of them, and then the UDM or the Dream Machine from Ubiquiti as well. And it can kind of reach in the garden if I use my laptop. But I do have a lot of IoT connected devices now for measuring things like uh, the moisture in the soil, water levels in buckets in my greenhouse um, to uh, take the heat, uh, the temperature, because if it's too hot, it's going to open a hatch in the greenhouse and it's going to start the fans. So there's you know, a, a few different things connected there, uh, which is just a project that is for fun. So I know I'm also taking pictures. So once every morning, I take a picture. Once every afternoon, I take a picture of the plants. And then I can and do like a time lapse. I can see the tomatoes now grew 
four months and you know from the seed to the full plant and to picking the tomatoes. But in doing so, of course, Wi-Fi has to work because they are all Wi-Fi connected. And I, I power this also with two Raspberry Pis, which are also Wi-Fi connected. Um, and I do have some flaky Wi-Fi in the garden. So also a networking project in a sense. Most likely I will do what you mentioned that in the end, you might just put everything on the same Wi-Fi, put a LAN there. I will just put another hole through the wall, put a, a Wi-Fi thing uh, outdoors and that's it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fun to think about these things, but I, I try to keep things simple. Um, and then, of course, within the system, I can still separate and have multiple Wi-Fis and, and multiple um, different networks that I can connect to uh, as work versus personal versus when I have guests. Um, so I can still do that in, in the software. I'm already thinking when you mentioned the, the Raspberry Pis that I'm already thinking, well, you need a front end VLAN and a back end. So if you have multiple devices, how do you pass data? Because obviously it's confidential data that you want to secure. All righty. So today's episode is about building Azure at home with Azure Stack Edge. So let's talk a bit about Azure Stack and Azure Stack Edge then. Toby, do you know what Azure Stack is? Or were you ever exposed to Azure Pack back in the day? No, and no. And <laughs> I, I do have some familiarity with the concept of Azure Stack Edge and Azure Stack and Azure Stack HCI and, and you know all, the, all these different things, but mostly because I've watched some videos or presentation or read some documentation about it. I have not used it and I've never come across use cases for it in, in my line of work. And so I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, but there are like multiple Azure stack things as far as I remember, right? It's not just yes. Azure stack and that's it. There's different things. Exactly. And, and the whole purpose of, of this episode is that, that the plan is to eventually build this for real. And, and there's a slight twist here that we'll get to in a, in a couple of minutes. So that I hope that will open everybody's eyes who are listening on this that, oh, so that's what the plan is with Azure Stack. So Azure Stack solutions, there's a family of three different solutions. There's Azure Stack Edge, Azure Stack HCI, and Azure Stack Hub. And Azure Stack Hub is probably the thing that people mostly associate with Azure Stack. So it's pre-provisioned certified hardware that you order from Microsoft, typically like a, like, like a rack cabinet full of servers. And it allows you to run Azure workloads in on-premises, like I need app services, I need functions, I need logic apps. You just spin them up and you sort of have your Azure location that you control that's still going to connect to the public Azure cloud. So today we are not talking about Azure Stack Hub, mostly because it's, it's fairly expensive in the sense that you need to uh, source the hardware, you need to pay for it, and you also need to maintain and monitor. So it's a lot of work. But instead, we will be talking about Azure Stack Edge, which is for edge computing workloads. So IoT, machine learning, 
containers in a Kubernetes cluster, perhaps VMs. So it's it's more for perhaps smaller businesses or for branch offices and less about the sort of enterprise requirement. And if you're still thinking, well, what's the third one, the Azure Stack HCI, that's the hyper-converged infrastructure. So think about Hyper-V and VMs and storage. So in, in a way, that's the raw IT. Azure Stack Edge is the, is the more sophisticated one, and Azure Stack Hub is all in one, but that's also the, the, a major investment in the sense. So where I confident enough in, in having you think that, well, perhaps you need Azure Stack Edge for your greenhouse in the future. Yeah, I, I probably will not use that uh, <laughs> because I, again, like to keep things simple. But I do, I do recall a couple of companies that I spoke with who are enterprise-grade companies, and they have a huge set of IoT uh, components and not like a radiator or light bulb or things like that, but it's a manufacturing plant and all of their machines, still machines from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, super old packing machines, super old machines for like doing whatever they do with plastic and painting stuff and whatever, um, pretty complex stuff. And they kind of IoT connected all of them or made them smart, if you will. So they could measure when the color was running out, they could measure how much uh, additional plastic were on a roll of plastic, how many things, how many boxes did they pack in a day and how many faulty boxes was part of that. So they could get stats on everything. They could troubleshoot everything. They connected sensors to everything on the old machines because the alternative they had was, you know, let's buy new machines where all of this is built in. And, you know, that investment would be, I don't know, I think this was 25 million or 30 million euros which is a pretty big investment for two or three machines in a you know production facility. So instead they invested 1 million in IoT enabling everything. And, and that was pretty cool. So I, I can think that there's an option here for companies like that also to, uh, to maybe take a look at things like that, um, especially the, the different versions of Azure Stack then can maybe fit them. But I'm, I'm just thinking about all these stories I heard that I never came across in the past. To me, IoT was a Raspberry Pi, you know, my greenhouse, things like that, maybe a radiator, maybe controlling the heat in your in your office building or things like that. But there's some pretty heavy industrial usage in, in IoT and it's growing. And I know we talked about this in episode something, something way back, way back when for Azure farming. Um, we talked about how farmers use IoT devices as well and connected them, which is kind of cool. So so can those things also tie into Azure Stack? Yeah, yeah, good question. Uh, definitely yes. And again, I'm super confidently talking about this, even if I do not have my own Azure Stack Edge yet. Azure Pack and then Azure Stack, which is the current incarnation of Azure in on-premises, uh, it's been avail available for quite some time. And in essence, it's hardware, it's software, and it connects with Azure. So before we dive deep into Azure Stack Edge, the alternative, if somebody's listening on this and thinking, do I need this? Well, no, no, you don't need this. If you've already built a hybrid approach, perhaps you have a site-to-site -side VPN from the on-premises data center 
to Azure or even Express Route, and you use Azure Arc to manage everything. But then, in essence, you are managing all of the hardware, you're buying that, you're, you're maintaining everything. And the idea with Azure Stack and definitely Azure Stack Edge is that you might have a branch office or perhaps an office building, and you need a central device that gathers everything from IoT devices to one place, and then it confidently and, and conveniently connects with Azure, perhaps with Azure IoT Hub. So that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. So let's talk more about Azure Stack Edge now. And the reason why I'm super excited about this is that about two weeks ago, I went to Azure Portal. I was doing something, I can't recall what, perhaps I was configuring something with Azure Policy. And then I did a search and decided just to search for Azure Stack in Azure Portal. And it actually gives you a new blade with Azure Stack. Here are all of your devices. And I started thinking, well, I could download the Azure Stack HCI bits, deploy those on my own hardware, just to play around with this a little bit more. But I don't have an unused physical server with the hardware requirements, and they're, they're, they're quite high, the requirements. So with Azure Stack Edge in Azure Portal, it allows you to order hardware as a service. It has monthly payments, there's a one-time shipping fee, and the hardware arrives on your porch. You connect that to the network. There's a local UI for configuring it, and you're good to go. So this was the twist that I mentioned. Instead of spending weeks or, 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 or months configuring something, you order a pre-configured device. It, it should arrive in, in four to six weeks. You plug it in, you're good to go. So this is my plan after the summer holidays to order one and play around with that. I don't want to order it now because I will be gone for most of the summer on, on vacation and I don't have time to play with that. So hopefully after the summer, I will have one. Okay, so so the way I see this then is you can you can kind of order a part of Azure to run locally, right? You order mm -hmm. the hardware, you get some CPUs, you get some RAM, you get some SSD drives, hopefully, I don't know, they're rack mountable, I suppose, or are they standalone on the desk? I would I would suppose they're going to a rack, right? Yeah, yeah, they are rack mountable. And there's no mentioning of what the hardware specifically is. So for Azure Stack Edge, there's um, a couple of different SKUs. There's Edge Pro, Edge Pro 2, and Edge Pro R. And the R stands for rugged meaning you can take it on the field and it should withhold together fairly well. So there's no mentioning of what the, the, the specific hardware is, but it looks an awfully lot like a Dell rack mountable server, a 2U in height. And, and even if you look at the technical specs, it says, well, it has to be Dell certified memory that you push into the device, but everything is included in there. So you don't need to open that and, and add anything. So the base model uh, for Azure Stack Edge is 32 CPUs or virtual CPUs. Uh, this is for the Pro 2, 51 gigs of RAM and 720 gigs of local SSD. 
and and that's it you order one through azure portal let's talk about that in a bit on what happens with the ordering and then when it arrives you plug it in you configure the local bits and you're good to go and you have this hardware capacity at your disposal i like this uh, i like this approach to if you need to set up your own servers and you want to operate some some workloads that you otherwise wanted to have in in azure but for whatever reason you need to run them locally then that is also maybe a use case or an option for that so what what can you run in this thing is it like deploy whatever you want do you have the full services that exist in azure like i can spin up a function app or a web app or api management or is there like a restriction or more narrow use case when you order the hardware like this so so there's more narrow use cases for this because otherwise you would go with azure stack hci that that gives you all capabilities or Azure Stack Hub, which also gives you all capabilities, but in the predefined hardware, not bring your own. So the use cases are running Kubernetes clusters, running IoT Hub, running machine learning workloads, or doing something with the local GPU. So there's a couple of models with GPUs as well, one or two GPUs. And Azure Arc is supported, so you can manage this from Azure but there's also a local UI. It looks a bit like Azure Portal, but it's slightly different. So there's different options in there. And I, I feel the biggest use cases are definitely for containers, but also for anything related to IoT and machine learning, because you have the local hardware acceleration available. So I wouldn't perhaps get an Azure Stack Edge to spin up a Windows server to run a web server. There's not, mu not much value in that. But instead, if I want to run something that, that gets data from thousands of IoT sensors, crunches that data locally before submitting something to the cloud or submitting something back to the IoT devices, then that's the use case for the stack edge in here. Okay, yeah, that's neat. I do see a couple of use cases where, where this could be beneficial with customers I talked with in the past, um, especially now when things are getting containerized, a lot of people are moving to Kubernetes or similar containerized uh, platforms where they can modernize their apps. Um, this would be perhaps especially running at the edge and running it on, on your own nodes or your own site. This might be beneficial. Um, perhaps I still see this from an industrial point of view with the industrial customers I talk to where they're like manufacturing plants and, you know, they have these pretty big uh, corporations, but they still have their local data centers where they operate a lot of things. They have some things in Azure, uh, but they also have multi-cloud. They have some things in GCP. They have some things in AWS, but most of their things are still on-prem because of, you know, it's been that way always. Migrating to the cloud may or may not happen anytime soon. So then maybe this is a good way to kind of find that hybrid approach where you bring the cloud to you instead for some of the workloads. And then when, whenever you're ready, maybe that's also something that you can later migrate. But there are usually a, a reason why they stay on-prem in, in the case where I've spoken to these customers. But I've never come across the Azure Stack Edge. Uh, this is interesting. So how do you... Like you mentioned it can take up to six weeks. How do you get one? And is there a specific process you go through, or can I go down to my local shop here and and go buy it and you know over the disk? So so you get one when you log into Azure Portal, 
and you search for Azure Stack Edge, it takes you to a different blade and there's just a single button in there, order a device. You can order one or multiple and there's a built-in wizard in there. You select the subscription where you want to hold the billing details of the devices. And then you uh, type in the shipping details, the, the, the address, and you also select which device you'd like to get. Let's talk about pricing in a bit. And once you've selected all of these, and if you live in, in one of the countries that do support this, but the country list practically includes almost every country I could check, including Finland and Sweden for us. And once you're done with that, the order will be submitted. And once it's submitted, you can start configuring already the settings virtually in Azure portal. And then when you get the physical device, you complete the configuration once that co that's connected to the network. So what do you do when you get the device? Well, obviously you need to rack mount the device. And it's funny looking at docs.microsoft.com for Azure Stack Edge, there's a how-to section. And the only guidance there is mount your device. And, and there's pictures of rack cabinets. And this is how you slide it in and use a screwdriver to, to keep it in place. So it's, it's very bare bones IT pro stuff in that sense. But once you have the device, once it's rack mounted, you plug it into your network. All you have to do is configure DNS settings, Windows Server update services. So this implies it runs Windows Server. Time synchronization, you generate your certificates so that you can do local encryption at rest. And then you start deploying your workloads. Virtual machines, IoT, Edge, Kubernetes, but also something called network functions. Uh, have you seen this before? Because I've seen it, but I've forgotten all about this. And I did have to look this up for this episode. But have you seen something called the network functions in Azure Portal? Nope. I don't, I don't recall that name at all. What is it? So, so it's not Azure functions. This is all network-related virtual devices. So you can deploy something like SD-WAN Edge, VPN services, in the future, even 5G services. And I think this relates to private 5G setups. You want to have your own 5G private network in a select area because you do not trust the public Wi-Fi or the latency is not good enough in Wi-Fi for the mobile devices. So the private 5G thing is sort of coming, but at the same time, you need to provision something in Azure. So when, when you go to Azure Marketplace, you can find network functions and it allows you to provision these software-defined network capabilities that the Azure Stack Edge is then going to support for you. But that's, that's it. You order one, you rack mount it when it arrives, you configure quickly that the basic stuff, there's a graphical portal, it runs locally on the device, and that's it. It's, it's almost too simple and too good to be true. But let's see how this goes when I get to do the order. I'll probably do that in, in late July because then I know I will be back home and I can actually deploy, deploy and start playing around with that. So okay. pricing so, next. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking the, like, the summary I have here in my brain uh, to wrap my head around this is you would use Azure Stack Edge to kind of get the Azure capabilities like compute, storage, networking, and hardware uh, accelerated ML or machine learning 
to any of your edge locations, wherever that is. Um, so I, I really like this. Um, but yeah, pricing. Uh, you mentioned you can order one, and I'm sitting here, you know, smirking a bit, thinking, hey, this would be fun to order. I don't actually have a rack mount, uh, so I don't have anywhere to mount it. But um, of course, I will have to figure that out if I get one. But if you then say that the pricing is out of my budget, then I will have to watch someone else order it and, and then listen to their experiences. So so what is the pricing? So so back in the day, um, when you would order a rack mountable hardware, it would often be fairly expensive. So sometimes people would build the servers with, with custom components, but they couldn't source the rack mountable uh, enclosure for the device. So what we ended up using, and this was in late 1990s, we ended up using pizza boxes because you could put everything in there and it wouldn't fry the motherboard because the pizza box doesn't conduct electricity. Uh, for this though, you don't need to have a rack, but the problem with rack mountable devices often is that the fans are fairly loud. Uh, so if you put them on the desk next to you, it will be too noisy for you to work or do podcast recordings. For pricing, uh, for all of the devices, Edge Pro 2, Edge Pro and Edge Pro R, all of the devices, there's a one-time shipping fee, which is $350. I, I think it's fairly tolerable. Would you agree? I, I think it's definitely cheap if it's for, for an enterprise or for an organization where you actually have the use case. If I'm thinking about, I've got this hobby project, I would love to run something locally for the sake of it, then perhaps it's out of my budget. I would rather spend that on, on some fine dining uh, with the family, perhaps. But maybe I would get more enjoyment out of this. But that's the shipping fee, right? And that's a one-time thing. Do you then pay also for the hardware itself? Or how does that work? Yes, you pay a monthly fee. So it's hardware as a service. Uh, the cheapest one is the Edge Pro 2. And the cheapest SKU in the Pro 2 uh, offering is the 32 virtual CPUs, 51 gigs of RAM, and about 700 gigs of, of local storage. The monthly fee is $399, so $400 a month. So that's what, about $4,800 a year, plus $350 for the one-time fee, so about $5K for the first year. And obviously, you get to run this 24-7. So, and, and, and I feel this is quite affordable if you have the use and, and, and the benefit for this. But if you're like me, what I'm planning on doing, I'm planning on ordering one, paying the shipping fee, 350, getting the device, which means that I will commit to the monthly fee of 399. And at the end of the first month, I'm returning it. So I end up paying about 750 one-time fee plus the one month. And then I hope to ship it quickly back before I pay for the next month. Okay, interesting. So, I, I mean, when it comes to pricing here, realistically, these prices are super valid. Uh, you know, three three ninety nine a month. Uh, imagine you're going to run this over a year. Then the shipping fee is doesn't matter anymore because that's yeah, that's a one time fee and spread across that uh, that time horizon. It doesn't matter. And if you compare to running an app service or, or a function app or container apps full time twenty four seven, here you get thirty two. CPUs and 51 gigs of RAM, you don't get that for 399 if you run in Azure. 
Now, of course, this is then a, a single fault domain in the sense that it's the same power, the same network, and a single location. So you don't have high availability in that sense. If this device, for whatever reason, breaks down or something is faulty, of course, whatever you're operating on it, it's going to stop working, right? It's going to be unavailable. So there's, of course, that to think about if you want a high availability scenario. I don't know how they do or think about high availability with Azure Stack Edge, but I'm sure there's also a smart way there that you have two devices set up uh, identically, and then you just do load balancing between them and things like that. I'm, I'm sure there's a way to do that. And then, of course, you would probably have to pay for two monthly fees for, for two devices. But again, for the amount of power you get in one of those devices compared to a compute service or something like this that I've operated over the years, this is affordable in terms of just the, the raw power that you get. But of course, with the cloud, you get all the other things like click a button and you scale out, click another button and you are redundant, click a third button and you increase your storage, things like that, of course. There's a difference between running in the cloud and entirely and operating your own hardware, even if it comes in a box. But yeah, my reflection on the pricing here, it's, it's okay. This is not, it can sound like a lot for a device if you don't know what to use it for. But if you do have the use case in your organization or your industry or wherever, then it makes perfect sense uh, given the amount of juice you actually get in that box. Indeed. And one of the tiny details on the device is that it has four network interface cards. The first one is for admin connectivity. So you just plug that into your internal switch and you're good to go. But one of the others, one of the three remaining ones has to be connected to the internet so that the Stack Edge device can connect with Azure, the public Azure. And two of those ports are 100 gig ports. And I don't have a 100 gig switch at home, but thankfully it runs in 10 gigs as well. So it should be good. But perhaps bear in mind that if you're ordering this, you might want to go for at least a 10 gig internal network and switching, which is one adventure. And if you go for 25 gigs or 100 gigs, it will be massively more expensive as well. The other options, um, the, the more pricier Edge Pro 2 is 615 a month, same shipping fee. And with that, you get more RAM and you get two GPUs. Then there's the Edge Pro which is about 700 a month. It also has a GPU and the Edge Pro R for rough terrains. The monthly fee is $2,358. So it's, it, it's, it's about eight times more than the cheapest Edge Pro 2. So if you're willing to commit about $750, you get to play with this for a month. And I did go through all of the documentations and there's no minimum least time for the hardware. So you get it, you install it, once you're done, you ship it back. And hopefully, the billing stops happening when you when you unplug and send it back. If you don't, then I'm looking at a 5k investment for something that I get to play around with for two weeks. Yeah, may, maybe they will stop the billing when they actually receive it. So if it takes six weeks to to send back, well, then you're out of luck. Um, I would expect you to get to get the Edge Pro R, the rugged one, of course, for for two thousand three hundred and sixty dollars. So you can take it out into terrain, into Helsinki, and just you know sit on the sidewalk somewhere with your device and connect to it and do stuff. 
that would be great. If it was a tiny bit cheaper, I would definitely go for that. But now I'm looking at the 399 because it's about the equal price what you would pay for a nice Lego Lego package. Of course, the Lego lasts for a lifetime and this lasts for a month. But even then, I still feel this is an affordable approach. Perhaps there's further limitations that you sort of realize that oh, for Kubernetes, you cannot do this and that. And perhaps it's not optimal for my needs. But at least for testing, this will be interesting. So I hope in the future, we get to do an episode on the actual unboxing, the experience, the problems, how it works, how did I ship it back, and how much did I end up paying for that. But that will probably be about 20 episodes away so that I have time to play around with this and, uh, and actually receive the device as well. Alrighty, so the last bit, the unexpected question for this episode. And based again on my records, it's my turn to ask you, Toby, the, mm -hmm. the question. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. So this is an easy one. What hobby would you recommend people should try? Okay, that, that is an easy one. As an adult, I taught myself to play the piano. Uh, I would recommend this to anyone who wants to do something with their time. Uh, it's not that we have an abundance of time, but it's something that I found to be very relaxing. And picking it up is pretty easy. Of course, I have lack in my skills In if you compare to uh, a real pianist sitting at the concert. Um, but I do it a lot for fun. I picked a lot of things up over YouTube. There's a, you know, a bunch of great tutorials, but more more than everything else, it's about the you know finding that zen, zen zone where I can just pick up the piano, I can start playing and just create my own music, and I can do that for hours. And so that's very relaxing. And of course, I also taught myself to play the guitar a long time ago. Taught myself to play the saxophone. And when I was a kid, I was in music school for the trumpet and the baritone and the trombone. So I do have, you know, some background in understanding how music works and notes and chords and things like that. And it's fairly easy to, if you're a guitarist, for example, it's fairly easy to take the knowledge you have and just transform that to the piano. It's just about muscle memory, really. But then the music itself happens the same way. So one hobby would be to teach yourself an instrument. For me, uh, you know, piano was the thing I, I started with maybe 10 years ago. I don't have a piano anymore, so I'm not doing it at the moment. But this was truly a, a really nice way to do some relaxing and mindfulness, if you will. Just sit around and play some music. Get one where you can plug in headphones. Because if you live like I did back then with neighbors, they will not appreciate you banging the actual piano at midnight. Or if you live like I do now with kids in the house, then of course, they also would not appreciate if you wake them up midnight. So, so that's probably one thing that I would urge anyone to, to pick up, play an instrument, just, you know, get lost in time and space, creating your own creations. And it's, it's beautiful. So that, that's my final answer. That's, that's a great answer. I did get a piano for the kids last year and I used to play myself, but I, I gave that up 15 years ago. So this is probably something I might, I might try. After the summer, when, when I'm done with the holiday obligations, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to pick up on that. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you join us next week as well.
All right. See you then.